Hello, and welcome to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalists. We are a vibrant liberal religious community that treasures diversity, practices justice, and teaches love and respect for everyone. We grow spiritually through worship, shared learning and service, and relationships that go deep. As we say each Sunday, whoever you are, whomever you love, whatever your image of the holy, your presence here is a gift. All are worthy, all are welcome. <laughs> I'm Nan Hart, your worship associate today. And it is my pleasure to welcome you to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalist online worship service. Our greeter today is Ruth Frazier. Our other worship leaders today are our minister, Reverend Laura Horton Ludwig, our Director of Religious Education, Austin Peterson, our WUU Choir, directed by Dr. Jamie Bartlett, and our Assistant Director of Music, Dave Robbins. If you'd like to follow along with the order of service, I invite you to visit wuu.org to download a copy. The link will be in the chat. If you're visiting today, we're glad you're here. We invite you to say hi by typing a quick note into the Zoom chat. And if you'd like to sign up for our email list, please fill out our online visitor form at wuu.org. Right after the service today, we hope you'll stay for the semi-annual congregational meeting. We'll be electing people to serve as board members, trustees, and members of the Committee on Right Relations and the Endowment Committee. All members are encouraged to attend and vote. Our prelude music today is by George Gershwin, a composer you might not think of as Jewish. In fact, he was the son of two Russian Jewish immigrants, and he grew up in New York City's Yiddish Theater District. Here's an excerpt from Rhapsody in Blue. Thank you. 
Again, welcome. We are happy that you have joined us via live stream audio or video or Zoom. Whether you have come seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here. You were seen here, even if you're joining by phone and we cannot see you physically. Now I invite you to join in saying our welcoming words. And please, as you say these words, speak them to each other and know that we are connected across the distance. The words are pasted into the Zoom chat. Let's say them in unison. Folks on Zoom, we will unmute you so that you can hear each other. Come, wherever you are, wherever you are, whatever your image, your presence here is here. All are welcome. Good morning, indeed, and welcome back to our month of beloved community. Last week, we talked about how it's really important to try to practice love for our enemies in order for our beloved community to be possible. And last week, we also touched on an important idea that we're going to dig into today. Loving our enemies is totally compatible with setting healthy boundaries and protecting ourselves from getting hurt. You can love someone and still say, stop. In our service today, we're gonna to tell a story about a community that protects itself. The story of Esther told in the Jewish scriptures. It's got a lot of suspense, lots of family drama, political intrigue. And it's one of those stories where you get to cheer for the heroes and it all works out in the end, spoiler alert. Esther's story is also retold every year by Jewish congregations as part of a really fun holiday called Purim, which this year starts on Thursday night. So Austin, Nan, our musicians, and I want to offer you this service to honor our Jewish neighbors and congregants, to have some fun, and to discover what Esther's story has to teach us. So welcome, welcome, and let us worship together. Now, please join me in saying the words to light our chalice. If you have a chalice or candle handy nearby, please go ahead and light it now, as we spotlight the Richards Thomas family lighting a chalice. Again, we'll unmute you and say the words in unison. Okay. We light this chalice for the warmth of for the energy and for the Thanks, everyone. So I'm so excited to share with you the story of Esther. We're going to tell it today in three parts. And before we get into the story itself, I would like to introduce you to the characters in the story. The first character is this person, King Ahasuerus. He's got a long name, Ahasuerus. He ruled over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. Now this king has a quick temper 
and he also really likes banquets. He likes to have a nice party and eat a lot. Okay, that's him. The next character, Queen Vashti. Queen Vashti is the wife of the king I just introduced. So we'll see her later. Next, we have our title character, Esther. Esther is a Jewish girl, and we're gonna hear a lot more about her as the story goes on. Next, we have Mordecai. Mordecai is, is Esther's uncle. Esther is an orphan, so Mordecai is like a second dad to her. He's very important too. And the last character I wanna introduce you to is Haman. Haman is the king's top official, and he's also the villain. Now in the Jewish tradition, the congregation has a very special part to play whenever Haman shows up in the story. And here to tell us all about that is our WU board president, Ariel Ben-Yashai with his kids. Thanks, Ariel. Hi, everyone. In our tradition, when we read the story of Purim and we say Haman's name, we try to drown it out by making lots of noise, like we might have noisemakers or groggers. But today we're going to use a really special noisemaker to demonstrate for you. So are you ready? Okay. When we read the story of Purim, when we say the name Haman, We drown it out with a loud noise. Now, are you guys ready to try it out together with us? We're gonna do it together. So we're gonna unmute everyone and I will cue you. And again, loud noises when we say the name Haman. Okay, are you ready? Ready. Ready. Right. When we read the story of Purim and we say the name Haman. <laughs> Beautiful, you guys. Drown it out that way. All right, thanks. So we're going to continue to do this on mute while we tell the story of Purim today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. I hope you will keep making noise, even though we have to keep you on mute. More is the pity. So let's begin our story. The story begins with a banquet hosted by this king, King Ahasuerus. Would you believe this banquet that he threw lasted for six months straight, the longest banquet I have ever heard of. One day at this banquet with all his friends, King Ahasuerus sent a message to his wife, Queen Vashti, asking her to come to the banquet to show off how beautiful she is because he wanted all his friends to see that. And she said, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to parade myself in front of your friends. King Ahasuerus was very angry. He declares, Vashti is no longer queen and I'm going to find myself a new queen. So by the way, for those of you who are interested in Jewish folklore, I got to say, this reminds me a lot of this story that's also in the Jewish tradition that Adam had a wife before Eve. The story says that his wife first was called Lilith, 
and Lilith left Adam because Adam was trying to boss her around and she didn't like it. So there's a theme going on here. Anyway, we can see right away that this king likes being in charge and he really doesn't like it when women stand up to him. This is going to be very important later in the story. Unfortunately, this is the last we see of Queen Vashti, who sounds pretty cool to me. So bye Vashti, we'll see you later. Okay, so what happens next? Lots of young women are recruited to join the king's harem and sort of try out for the role of queen, including our heroine, Esther. Now, when the king meets Esther, he thinks she's wonderful and he makes her the new queen. But what he does not know is that she's Jewish. She has kept that a top secret. Meanwhile, Mordecai, Esther's uncle, has gotten into the habit of hanging around the royal palace so that he can visit with Esther when she's free because he really loves her. They're really close. One day, Mordecai overhears two of the king's guards plotting to kill the king. He tells Esther, and Esther tells the king, and the plot is thwarted. Mordecai is a hero. Yay! Meanwhile, Haman runs into Mordecai at the palace gate. Now, Haman is used to people bowing down before him because he's very important. But Mordecai does not bow down. So Haman is really mad. He's so mad. And Haman knows that Mordecai is Jewish. Why is this important? For a very bad reason. Because Haman is so mad, he decides he doesn't want to just kill Mordecai. He's going to kill all the Jews in the kingdom. Can you believe that? That is so messed up. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it reminds me of. You know, here in the United States, when a white person does something, they're seen as just themselves, one person, not as uh, some kind of representative of white people. But if a black person does something, a lot of white people think that somehow that reflects on all black people, as if every black person is a representative of black people as a whole group. And so in our story, Haman is doing almost the exact same thing. He thinks it makes sense to punish the entire Jewish people for something one person did. That is racism. That's not good. And this would be a good time to make some noise. So let's continue with our story. Haman goes to the king and tells the king, you know, king, the Jewish people are too different from everyone else, and we should just get rid of them all. Now, this king is not very good at thinking for himself, and he says, oh, sure, okay, why not? So Haman sends a bunch of letters out all over the kingdom in the name of the king 
telling all the governors of all the provinces to kill the Jews on a certain day coming up. Mordecai and all the Jews all across the country find out about this and they mourn and weep. But they do not just accept it. Now in our next installment, we're gonna hear about Mordecai and Esther's plan to save the Jewish people. At this point, we're gonna pause and I have a question for you. People on Zoom, if you wanna write a note in the chat, I invite you. The question is, who do you identify with most in this story so far and why? What do you think? Who are you identifying with today? And I'll start things off with a little confession. Oh, Austin is saying Queen Vashti. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's amazing. Absolutely. Herb Jones is, is identifying with Mordecai. I hear that. Chris Llewellyn, Vashti. Mm -hmm. Kathy's identifying with Esther today. Absolutely. I got to tell you, oh, Ruth as well. Thank you. Esther is, is, um, is really rocking it. Roy, also Mordecai. I will tell you, I feel like, you know, there's a little bit of Haman in all of us. So I'm going to, I don't identify with him all that much, but I do got to say that Haman, I think, is kind of our shadow side. He's kind of all those negative emotions that all of us have a little bit. And he's very in touch with his anger, right? But unfortunately, Haman does not really know what to do with it very well. So I'm just going to put that out there. And I'm noticing that a couple more Esthers. And Esther, yeah, Susan's saying, um, I've been invisible too. Yeah, ooh, yeah. So we can all find those touch points for ourselves in the story. And I hope you'll keep thinking about that. All right, for now, we're going to pause. And our WU Choir has a song for us now called Walk Together Children. It's one of the great African-American spirituals, which drew so much inspiration from all the stories of the Jewish people's persistence and struggle across the generations. So let's listen. Thank you, choir.
Will you be with me in a spirit of meditation, reflection, and prayer? Today's prayer is titled Power Prayer by Becky Brooks. The reason, one of the reasons I selected this prayer was it seems to me this story of Esther has a lot to do with power, power of women, power sometimes coming from unseen sources. And so these are Becky Brooks's words. Spirit of life, I have witnessed a loud love, an out loud love that challenges me. I did not recognize it at first. The rumble of an ocean I had long been under, but here it is right now, and it looks just like the whole world could be. It doesn't play nice, why should it? When nice has only ever played it a lullaby, this love demands. A love so loud, it lays rocks at the feet of children who can't find their path home. Across the pipeline, any other way. This love is indifferent to tolerance. It invites you to go into your own heart where God love itself has come to take tea with you. Drink and know that like that other love, this love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Perseveres. This out loud love makes no secret of its aim to get you free, but first sets fires. Throw the poison to the ground. Match the love sound for sound. Spirit of life, come and bring everyone. We're giving birth to something new. As we think of the joys and concerns in the world, we wish our Christian neighbors a good season of Lent. And we are also mindful of all the folks in Texas and all over who have been affected by the extreme cold, the power outages, the lack of drinkable water this past week. We send them healing and warmth and a return to power. We also hold sacred space to support the treatment and healing of Wilson and of Deborah Jane Wells. Gathered here in the spirit of community, holding the power that is within this group gathered here, I invite you to call on the healing spirit in whatever words are dear to you. Let us enter into a shared silence. I will ring this gong to invite the silence and I will ring it again to invite us back together.
Thank you so much for sharing your power, your love, your thoughts and prayers. Amen and blessed be. The words for our next hymn, Do You Hear?, were written by Emily Thorne, who served for many years as the Director of Religious Education for the First Unitarian Church of Wilmington, Delaware. The melody um, itself comes from a 1837 collection of hymn tunes. Dave Robbins, will you um, bring us the centering hymn, Do You Hear? back to part two of our story, the story of Esther. So you remember when we left off, Haman had just concocted this horrible plot to kill all the Jews. Here is how our story continues. You remember Mordecai, and I know you remember Esther. Mordecai goes to Esther and he talks with her about this horrible order to kill all the Jews. And he asks Esther to go to the king and beg him not to do it. But she tells him, uncle, you do not realize what you're asking me to do. She tells him, if anyone enters the king's presence without being invited first, that person will be killed unless the king holds out his very fancy golden scepter 
as a sign that he's happy you are there. And the king, she tells Mordecai, the king hasn't asked to see me in a month. Mordecai thinks about what she said and he answers her, you know, Esther, if you don't do this, there's no guarantee that you are gonna be safe. And he says, who knows, maybe you have become queen exactly for such a time as this. So Esther agrees and she says, I need the help of the community. She asks Mordecai, she says, Mordecai, please go ask all the Jews in the city to fast for three days for me to help give me strength, spiritual strength. And she says, I'm going to fast too. And after the three days, I will go to the king. And if I die, so be it. So folks, this is a really big ask. Esther is risking her life. Let's just name that Esther is living in a patriarchal culture with a king at the top who is not particularly self-aware and who is completely authorized to use violence against anyone he doesn't like. For Esther to confront him, it's a big risk. She is a hero. And on that note, Austin has a few words to share about Esther. I do. I, you know, I knew that we were going to do this service. So I asked one of my friends who is a Jew, what she thinks of when she thinks of this holiday. And one of the things that she brought up was an orange. And I said, what, what does an orange have to do with anything? And she said, aha, an orange, because when you peel the orange and you get rid of the orange peel, you have inside this beautiful fruit, but still inside that, there are these seeds. And I said, okay, so what? We spit out the seeds. And so there is what I now know to be an apocryphal story saying that there were um, some very conservative rabbis at a rabbi convention who said there is as much room for women on the bima, the altar, as there are, as there is room for an orange on a Seder plate. But actually the story is so much cooler and it has to do with Oberlin College in Ohio, not too far from Cleveland. So many families and congregations have begun adding an orange to the Seder plate as a way of acknowledging people who feel marginalized. And this is where Professor Susanna Herschel comes in, in the 1980s. She was part of a feminist group at Oberlin College that placed a crust of bread on the Seder plate, saying there's as much room for a lesbian in Judaism as there is for a crust of bread on the Seder plate. And so as a sweeter way of recognizing this, she also started adding an orange. And the tradition is this, and I invite you to pretend that you have an orange in your hand and to peel it. Will you do this with me? And to take a bite out of just one of the little sections of orange. And this is the really fun part. We get to spit out the evil seeds of hatred, patooey. 
We don't need them. We don't need the evil seeds of, of homophobia, the evil seeds of racism, of anything that would have us other groups of other people. This othering, this whole thing of having an idea that a whole group of people is one way or another. We don't need it. We just need the sweet fruit part. And there is always room for that idea. Oh, thanks, Austin. Thank you so much. You know, I, I'm also really struck as we think about this story, I'm really struck by Mordecai's suggestion that maybe Esther has landed where she is exactly for such a time as this. And I wonder how might your attitude to difficult times, difficult situations, difficult life challenges, how would your attitude change if you really believed you were meant to be right here, right now? If you believed you were here to make a contribution to your community and your world that only you could make? I wonder how would that change your attitude to what you are going through right now? And I invite you, if you are moved, to add your thoughts on that in the chat. I'll just share, um, you know, when I think about that idea, maybe, maybe we're here for such a time as this. It gives me a lot more strength. This has been a crazy year, as you all know. And um, I just feel a lot of strength uh, welling up in this idea, well, maybe we're here because we have something to co contribute to this time that, that, needs, that needs our help. So I'll just encourage you to think on that. And we'll go back to the story right now. So Esther has fasted for three days. She's ready. Esther goes to the chamber of the king and she approaches the king. This is the critical moment. And the king is delighted to see her. He holds out his fancy golden scepter. And the king says, Esther, you look upset. And he asks her, how can I make it better? He says, ask me anything. I love you so much. I will give you anything at all that you ask for, up to half of my entire kingdom. But Esther makes just one request. She asks, I would like you and Haman to come to a private banquet that I'm going to host for the two of you. I wonder what she has in mind. We'll hear. Haman is very excited to be the only guest invited to this very special banquet, but he's going to be less excited once he finds out what Esther has in store when our story continues. Each Sunday, we make an offering from the bounty we are blessed to enjoy. We do so in the spirit of generosity and in recognition of our ongoing commitment to serve our world and share our values. If you are joining us for the first time, please feel free to give if you wish and also know that your presence is gift enough. Today's offering goes to the General Operating Fund which supports just about everything we do. 
If you'd like to give through our website, please visit wuu.org and click on Give Online to WUU. If you'd like to give by text, please text the dollar amount of your gift to 757-500-0688 and follow the prompts from there. Or if you prefer to give by check, please mail your check to WUU 3051 Ironbound Road, Williamsburg, Virginia 23185. Thank you so much. Our offertory music is by two white musicians, one of whom was born in the Netherlands and raised in Southern California. The other grew up in a migrant farm family who moved around California. You might find their names familiar, Eddie Van Halen and Sammy Hagar.
Dave Robbins, we are making some noise in the privacy of our own homes. That rocks. Thank you so much. I hope you're reading all these amazing comments in the chat. Soak it up. That was amazing. Well, friends, it's time to finish up our story here. So let's keep going with the story of Esther. You remember that when we hit the pause, Esther had just invited the king and Haman to a private banquet. That's coming up. But meanwhile, do you remember how Mordecai saved the king's life a while back when he overheard that plot to assassinate the king? It was a long time ago, but don't forget. While Esther is getting the banquet ready, the king remembers he has never done anything to reward Mordecai. So he calls Haman over and he says, hey, Haman, what should I do if I really want to honor someone? Now Haman thinks he is the person the king wants to honor. So he says, well, majesty, you should dress this person in fancy robes. You should let this person ride one of your own horses and you should even put a fancy crown on the horse. And you should have this person be the star of a parade all throughout the city and get everybody to yell, this is what is done for the person whom the king wants to honor. And the king really likes these ideas. So he says to Haman, great. I'm putting you in charge. Go do that for Mordecai. Ooh, how do you think Haman felt? Haman was so mad, but he has to do it because the king has ordered him to. So that happens. There's a big parade for Mordecai. And then comes the private banquet. Esther is here, the king is here, and Haman is here. They're all at the banquet. Now, this was a very tasty banquet, and at this banquet, the king is so grateful. He says, Esther, ask me for a favor. I'll give you anything. This is the moment Esther's been waiting for. She says to the king, give me my life and give my people their lives, for somebody is out to destroy us. And the king says, who is this person who would dare to do such a thing? Esther points at Haman and says, it's him. And she reveals that she is Jewish. And she asks the king to stop Haman and call off the killings all over the kingdom. And that's what the king does. The Jews are safe and they are so happy. Yay! We are almost at the end of our story, but not quite. And you know what? I almost don't wanna tell you this next part. You gotta remember this is a story. It didn't actually happen, but in this story, the king actually kills Haman and he tells the Jews all over the empire, he sends out a message saying, I'm sorry. And because I'm so sorry, I give you permission to kill all of your enemies. And the Jewish people kill all their enemies. So 
I just want to be really clear that I am not endorsing this part of the story. Do not go and kill your enemies, okay? Don't do that. As Unitarian Universalists, we have a long tradition of engaging with the Bible, of telling the stories and thinking about what they mean. And we also have a long tradition that we don't have to agree with everything in the Bible. If something in the Bible seems wrong to us, we get to say, we don't agree with that. We have moved past those days of killing our enemies, or at least we are working on it. And as I understand it, this is actually pretty similar to a tradition in Judaism where you get to argue about what the stories mean. You even get to argue with God. This is a good thing. So what I really want you to take away is that you get to decide what this story means to you. Personally, I hope that you will feel inspired by Esther's courage and her intelligence, her cleverness, and Mordecai's too our heroes. If you ever get to be a king, I hope that you will be a better king than this one. <laughs> and if you ever feel as mad as Haman did, I hope that you will find better ways of dealing with your anger and not take it out on other people. So now, thank you for listening. I'm going to hand it over to Austin for one more invitation. We have a invitation. So with Purim, there are four obligations. The first is to listen to the story of Esther. Check, you've already done that part. The second is to take food gifts to your friends. The third is to give charity to the poor. And the fourth is to eat a festive meal. So, I would like to point out that you are well on your way. And if you would like to, the invitation is taking food gifts to friends, charity to the poor, and eating a festive meal. And those are ways that you can celebrate this holiday. We hope you enjoy. Thanks so much, Austin. And now please join in singing our closing hymn, my Life Flows On, an Endless Song. The tune was written in the 19th century by a white American Baptist minister, Robert Lowry. The words are mostly traditional, but the last verse was written during the McCarthy era in the 1950s as a protest against the House Un-American Activities Committee. Today, let us sing it for everyone who needs some courage and everyone who is trying to do the right thing in difficult times. You are not alone. My life flows on in endless song above earth's lamentation. I hear the the tumult and the strife, I hear the music ringing, it sounds an echo in my soul, how can I keep from singing? 
Let us say the words to extinguish the chalice, and we invite you to blow out your candle at the same time. We will paste the words in the Zoom chat. Again, we'll say them in unison. <coughs> we extinguish the not the light, the light of truth, the warmth the of, of our community. And as we prepare to close, I invite you to hold out your hands as a sign that we are one. Our closing words today come from the contemporary Reformed Jewish prayer book, The Gates of Repentance. O source of peace, lead us to peace a peace profound and true. Lead us to a healing, to mastery of all that drives us to war within ourselves and with others. May our deeds inscribe us in the book of life and blessing, righteousness and peace. O source of peace, bless us with peace. May it be so, amen and blessed be.